Good morning, and welcome to WMNF's Midpoint, your midweek, mid-morning source for news and public affairs from a local perspective. I'm your host, Shelley Rebeck, and I'm here today with our terrific WMNF volunteers. Jessica Green is running our soundboard, and Barbara Fling will be taking your calls. Let's jump in. In 2021, economist Eleanor Ostrom won a Nobel Prize for her work that challenged conventional wisdom by demonstrating how local property can be successfully managed by local commons without any regulation by central authorities or privatization. It was long unanimously held among economists that natural resources that were collectively used by their users would be overexploited and destroyed in the long term. Eleanor Ostrom disproved this idea by conducting field studies on how people in small local communities manage shared natural resources, such as pastures, waters, and forests. She showed that when natural resources are jointly used by their users, in time, rules are established for how these are to be cared for and used in a way that is both economically and ecologically sustainable. So apparently Eleanor Ostrom never looked at Florida, where we don't always want to share with our neighbors, and the disposition of our water resources is either highly regulated and or privatized. Which brings us to today's topic, the water wars. Who's got water? Who needs water? How can we get more water where we need it? And who's going to pay for it? In the Tampa Bay region, although we live in Florida, a natural peninsula surrounded by water, these are existential questions. We need more drinking water and will continue to need even more as development, particularly in Southern Hillsborough County, continues at a rapid pace. But our regional players don't always play nice when it comes to divvying up our water resources. Consequently, Tampa Bay Water was created as a nonprofit utility, a quasi-governmental special district of the state of Florida, to plan, develop, and deliver a high-quality drinking water supply, and to protect our water supply sources for the entire Tampa Bay region. That's Hillsborough, Tampa, Pinellas, St. Pete, Pasco, and Newport Ritchie. All of these governments are represented on Tampa Bay Water's board of directors, and all of them represent the interests of their own communities. So, maybe in spite of Eleanor Ostrom's theories of cooperation, or maybe as a manifestation of her theories, those interests that are not always allied are worked out and managed by the Tampa Bay Water Utility. And here to tell us all about our local water wars and what Tampa Bay Water has planned for our region are my guests. Mariella Smith, Hillsborough County Commissioner, Countywide, and Vice Chair of Tampa Bay Water. Welcome, Mariella. Good morning, and thanks for having me. And George Cassidy, Assistant County Administrator for Public Utilities. Welcome to Midpoint, George. Thank you, Shelley. Good morning. Let's start with some history of our water wars. Tell us why and how Tampa Bay Water was formed originally. Thank you. And, you know, I think this is a manifestation of local cooperation on our shared resources. It is uh, an amazing cooperation that has evolved given the history of um, the water wars, which were uh, started in the early 70s as uh, growth began um, 
demanding more and more water, particularly in the northwest corner of Hillsboro, uh, that that western, southern western part of Pasco and uh, St. Pete and Pinellas. And in that area, there was literally, um, well, something of a competition, if not a war, uh, to to withdraw groundwater enough to serve each uh, county and, and municipalities' uh, uh, water customers. And what happened is they ended up withdrawing groundwater. Groundwater is the cheapest water we have. And uh, they ended up withdrawing so much in that area that all, uh, something like 1,300 lakes and streams and rivers dried up. And it was terrible. Terribly damaging to the whole ecosystem. Cypress trees were dying. Uh, the environment was really suffering, and uh, uh, people's wells were also drying up. Individual wells, um, and and so uh, it was just going to be bogging down in litigation, and and uh, it was an unsustainable situation. Uh, so the governments. Uh, decided to cooperate instead. What year was that? Was 1998. 1998, the governments got together, maybe in a manifestation of Eleanor Ostrom's theories, and decided to cooperate um, in... I will uh, say that before that, in the se- mid-70s, we had the uh, uh, West Coast Regional Water Supply Authority. Uh, but that was a groundwater-only utility still. And it wasn't until we got Tampa Bay Water that we all began investing in this uh, wholesale-level distributor um, before, so that uh, we could develop new water sources besides the groundwater, including uh, desalination and a reservoir and uh, uh, those kinds of things. All right. So, how? Do, what? What is? Uh, what is the actual uh, point of having this regulatory? It's kind of a regulatory body um, determine how the water which is a finite resource, how it should be uh, distributed among the various governments. I mean, Hillsboro is huge. Newport Ritchie's small. Um, is everybody getting the same amount of water? Are they paying the same amount for their water? Or how does that work? Everybody pays the same amount for their water, and we all pay into uh, the system to develop the water sources. George, is there anything I'm missing there? No, ma'am, that's 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 correct. So um, there's a unitary rate. And so whether you buy a, a gallon or a million gallons, it's the same rate per gallon. And so each member government um, has its own size and its own demands. Um, Hillsborough County, as a utility, as a customer base, has the greatest, um, we, we purchase the most water from Tampa Bay Water of any other member government. Yeah, I would imagine. We're the biggest. Now, what's the difference between Tampa Bay Water and the organization I, I, I have heard about called Swift Mud? What's the difference? Swift Mud is the regulatory agency. And they um, issue permits for groundwater withdrawals uh, to uh, Tampa Bay Water as well as to farmers and Mosaic and uh, other businesses um, to to withdraw groundwater, and they're they're responsible for uh, ensuring that it uh, the environment is protected and our water resources is, are protected. But you know, I will point out that. Tampa Bay Water has been very effective in 
protecting and saving the uh, and reducing the damage that had been done in that northern area. Uh, they've re- because of the development of new water resources, because of our cooperation in in funding that, we have uh, reduced the withdrawal in that um, northern uh, area fifty percent, and so. Um, uh, the area was withdrawing 160 million gallons a day. Now that area is, is withdrawing just about 80 million gallons a day. And uh, SWIFMUD, the regulatory agency, has just recently announced um, that uh, it intends to declare that whole area recovered um, uh, from an ecological point of view. Oh, wow. So uh, tell us, uh, what are these new sources of water? I mean, water's kind of a, um, you know, fluctuating resource. I mean, we get more rain, we have more water. We, we don't have snow melt here in Florida, but, um, but we do have rain. And, uh, but yet, drinkable water, potable water is kind of a finite resource, um, here in Florida. So what, what are these new sources of water that we have now that are, um, are available? So, you know, as, as Commissioner Smith um, said, for the traditional source of water was always groundwater. Groundwater, our aquifer has a, a, a wonderful quality, base quality to it. So that was the easy water to get. Um, as we reached the limits of the amount of water that we could withdraw from the aquifer, started exploring the other um, available alternative uh, sources. So that would have been surface waters like river waters. Uh, And so we certainly take water, Tampa Bay water takes water from the Hillsborough River and also from the Alafia River. Um, They added a desalination process, which uh, we, you know, we call desal. And that's taking bay water and then removing all of the solids, the salt solids, from that water to produce a drinking water quality. Um, So those became the additional sources of water. They've also got their reservoir, which is basically taking advantage of our wet season, our stormwater season, where we can take excess amount of water that's going to the rivers, pull that off. Uh, It's affectionately called stormwater scalping. So we're taking that stormwater, we're putting it into a, a 16, 17 billion gallon reservoir to be available to us um, in, in times where we have limited rainfall and the water, uh, r- the river waters are not as um, plentiful and or groundwater becomes uh, a challenge. The, the reservoir is kind of like our, our, what do they call it? Um, the Savings drop, drop bank. Proofing. The sa- water savings bank. Yep, there you go. Uh, WMNF listeners, do you have some thoughts on our water wars? How is your water? If you're in South County in particular, do you often get low water pressure from your taps and want to know why? Give us a call and let's ask our guests. Our call-in number is 813-239-9663 or you can email us to dj at wmnf.org or text 813-433-0885. In fact, uh, we have a call here. I'm going to take from Clay in Land Lakes, who wants to talk about water. Clay, you're on the air. Are you with us? Yes, I am. And thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I don't think that in the, giving the history of the water wars, that they quite went back far as far as where they needed to to determine how this actually all occurred. Uh, Pinellas County, which is uh, itself a microcosm of the state of Florida Peninsula, had more natural springs. Uh, on it, off its shore and on it, as any two counties in Florida. They had 
fine water. It was wonderful. And what they didn't do was, as they let overdeveloped the area and brought all these people in, they let them use it to water their grass, to do all kinds of stuff. People had individual wells on their property that they used for irrigation and all that stuff. And they basically sucked the aquifer so far down in Pinellas County that they ended up having brackish water. They ended up having saltwater intrusion into the aquifer. So St. Petersburg, without asking, and uh, Pinellas County came over here to northwestern Hillsborough County and to Pasco County, bought a piece of the property, sunk wells, and began to ship the water back to themselves, taking it from others. And they're the ones who caused environmental damage when we going there. But the point is that it was our failure to listen to our scientists, the hydrologists, the researchers, back when Pinellas County was developed, to have controlled the situation. Well, Clay, you know, uh, the failure to listen to the scientists seems to be an ongoing problem um, um, in our community, in our country, in our communities, in Florida, for sure. Um, I don't know that so much has changed right now about our um, desire to listen to scientists. Let me make one more, one more point. I worked for almost a year on reviewing the proposed desalination plant, which, by the way, was never built as it was originally designed. Uh, it doesn't do what it should be doing as well as it should be doing it. But one of the things we always intended was a place for desalination plants was in Pinellas County itself using their water wells from back then because they'd only be desalinating brackish water, which is a lot easier to do, a lot less expensive, and a lot less leftovers when you desalinate the brackish water as opposed to desalinating water that you're taking straight from the Gulf. Well, hold on a second, Clay. George, do you have anything to respond to that? Uh, you know what? Th- those are excellent points, and if, if the truth be known, they probably should have put some uh, uh, new desal operations in Pinellas County or South St. Pete because Clay is right. It's easier uh, to operate a brackish water desal uh, operation than it is seawater. Well, there you go, Clay. You've been um, validated. Yeah, but, you know, it doesn't doesn't do any good to be right because I've been uh, I'm the water I was the water issues chair for for twelve years for Citizens for Sanity. And I the water issues uh, chair for what, Clay? Citizens for Sanity. Okay. County, the longest existing environmental organization in Pasco County. Um, and and I was also with the Sierra Club and all that stuff. And the problem is the leaders never listened. They made decisions that were um, monitored. Well, they're listening now. <laughs> they're listening to you right now. But the damage has been done, and there's still not looking at the best ways to fix it. I mean, we're talking about putting poo water into uh, uh, into the drinking water system, but we know that there are tons of things in that water that cannot be removed by a secondary, primary, uh, and tertiary uh, filtration system. They can't take it out. They can't take out the pharmaceuticals. They can't take out the embalming fluids. There's lots of things. They just can't take out of it. They shouldn't be turned back into our water system. Well, what's your what if you were king of the the forest uh, or uh, of the water? What would what would your suggestion be? Well, the first thing I do is stop all these uh, companies from the phosphate industry and other in, individual companies that are taking huge amounts of our groundwater and using them for nothing more than uh, this thing. This is what I was told by someone from uh, the Florida Department of Environmental Protection, although I call them the Department of Environmental Prostitution. They they went and uh, allow for these guys to take groundwater and mix it with the affluent, the thing they're trying to get rid of, 
to bring it to a level that they can now dump it into a stream or a river or whatever. The solution to pollution is dilution. That was their motto. And that's what they're still doing today. They're allowing them to take groundwater, huge amounts of groundwater, and putting it into uh, their affluent to bring it to a level that's acceptable to dump it into a reverse stream. So that should stop, according to to you. That's your suggestion. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I appreciate that suggestion. I don't know. Uh, Thank you, Clay, and thanks for calling in and giving us your uh, your thoughts on this, Uh, George. uh, Are there any um, efforts uh, up coming up and to restrict the phosphate company's use of water in that fashion? I'm not aware of any, Shelley. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, not, I'm not aware of anything that's going on right now to reduce um, the phosphate industry's operations. Okay. We have another call from George in Ybor City who's been uh, patient. George, you're on the air. Do you have a question for our guests? Yes. Um, regarding the last caller and um, some other things like uh, these companies not not listening, there was reports that Nestle and some soda companies and out-of-state companies were coming to Florida and taking the water and not even paying for it. I'm just wondering, is this still going on? And how come year after year, nobody can, what can we do? You know, they don't listen. Okay, we know they don't. But what, what can we do? And why are the politicians allowing these companies to do this? All right. Thank you, George. Let's uh, let's raise that question with our guests. Now, these are swift mud questions, really. How much water is, uh, phos- is uh, the phosphate industry allowed to use and how much water is Nestle allowed to uh, uh, keep out of, uh, is that Crystal Springs? Either there, Zephyr Hills or uh-huh. yeah. Crystal Springs. Isn't, isn't that, though, uh, part of the reason for the Nestle water taking is that those springs, are they privately owned? I mean, I didn't I didn't re- know until I f- started following that um, Nestle and Zephyr Hills issue where they were, were taking so much water out of the springs that, that water could be privately owned like that as a natural resource. The, the So the spring is privately owned, but the water is still regulated by and permitted by Swift Mud. Um, they still come out and decide, you know, whether you're taking uh, water that would damage the environment or draw down other uh, wetlands and rivers. So, so if you're concerned about that, um, then that you should be turning your attention to addressing Swift Mud. Is that is that the point? They are the regulatory, and also you know DEP as well, Florida DEP. So Department of Environmental. Ultimately, I think if you're concerned about these things, you need to be voting for um, legislators and a a a state administration that will be appointing people to these environmental regulatory agencies that um, will take better care of our natural resources. All right. you well, know, one of the callers made a, a, a clay made it. The first one made a, a a good point about the wastefulness of uh, using drinking water for landscaping, and this is something when you're 
thinking about, well, what can we do? Yes, we can petition our government, but we can also, each of us, reduce our water use to um, uh, better use this shared resource. You know, you mentioned rain. It's only going to rain so much every year and in on average, and we're going to have periods of drought. That amount of rain that we get does not change no matter how many people move to Florida. Mm-hmm. So um, if, as more people move to Florida and need to drink water, we're going to have to manage this resource. That's a point of Tampa Bay water. But each and every one of us can also reduce our our lawn watering uh by and and uh, other wasteful uses of of water tampa bay water has a water wise program encouraging water conservation by giving rebates uh, to people and businesses when they upgrade their appliances to new water wise appliances for example they give a a hundred dollars for an efficient toilet and up to $400 for a commercial dishwasher uh, if you've got a restaurant. And other uh, kinds of rebates are available. So I would just like your listeners to know that they can go to tampabaywaterwise.org to find out about that rebate program when they're upgrading their appliances to more water-efficient appliances. That's Tampa Bay waterwise.org, but also our county's, Hillsborough County's Extension Service has a lot of information and programs that can help people conserve water by planting Florida-friendly landscaping like this radio station WMNF has right out front. George and I were admiring that on the way in um, so that uh, uh, you can plant gardens of natives and and less uh, water-using plants that uh, reduce the need to to water, but also the County Extension Service has programs teaching people how to make their own rain barrels to store water and use that to water their garden plants. And they also teach people how to install water-saving micro-irrigation systems. In fact, I went to one of those programs in my local library branch one time, and that's all I needed to do to learn how to install my own micro-irrigation system in my yard uh, and it was all by free. myself. The program was free program for county, was free. Was residents, county residents. Yep, and then you're using a whole lot less water and saving money. Now, uh, in my own personal experience living in the city of Tampa, I will say that several years ago when the reclaimed water irrigation uh, program was first um, offered to city residents, um, I exa- you know, I looked into it for my own property, mm-hmm. and at that time, they were requiring you to uh, pay for it yourself with a private plumbing company to put a separate water meter in for reclaimed water, That's and it was funny. like about seven or eight hundred dollars, I remember, and um, and I asked the city. When could I recoup my investment in putting this system in? And they were absolutely stymied by that question. There was no way for them to give me any even estimated range of when I would be able to um, to recoup my investment. Um, 
in putting in reclaimed water irrigation. I don't know if that's changed now. I don't know. If anybody from the city water is listening, give us a call and let us know. In fact, if you have some questions or thoughts about uh, water wars generally, water quality, um, or the availability of water, particularly if you're in the south part of Hillsborough County, um, give us a call and let's ask our guests um, your questions. Our call-in number is 813-239-9663 or you can email us to dj at wmnf.org or you can text us at 433-0885 to WMNF Radio. We've got a number of calls and we've got some emails here, so I'm going to turn to our listeners. Uh, we have... Um, We have an email here who says, I don't think that most people realize that our water has chromium and arsenic contamination at levels that are very concerning. Also, as we pump the aquifer, it causes contaminants to concentrate in the water quality to go down. Uh, George, you want to take that comment? What was the second one, Shelley? The second one says, as we pump the aquifer, it causes contaminants to concentrate and the water quality to go down. And uh, our emailer does have some um, some citations to his his statements here. Yes. I can't put on the air, but... Yeah, so, you know, some of the challenges with, uh, you know, groundwater management is just what is that sweet spot? What's the right amount that you can withdraw that's not going to cause a a longer-term issue or water quality concerns. Um, You know, I've said a number of times, I've been in this business a long time, and, um, you know, water is the perfect solvent. Over time, uh, water will practically dissolve anything and everything. So it's not uncommon to find contaminants in the water. In fact, if you read the papers, and and I know a lot of people do and listen to the news reports, um, we're, we're continually finding all kinds of new things in the water that are concerning. Um, the challenge becomes how do you treat that out of the water? How do you protect the resource that you have? How do you treat out all of these contaminants and do it effectively, efficiently, and safely? So it's something that we're constantly looking at. Um, certainly over-pumping uh, is a challenge and is a problem no matter where you are. So we want to manage the resource, and Tampa Bay Water does a pretty good job of that. That's their job. Their job is to manage the resources, make sure that no single resource is over-leveraged. All right, we have a call from uh, Ruth in Sefner. Ruth in Sefner, you're on the air. Ruth? Hi, good, good afternoon, folks, or good, good morning. Um, oh, Rufus, I apologize. I'm sorry, I read your name wrong, Rufus. On um, the different sources we can go to to try and use our water more efficiently. And I'm going to just kind of reiterate what was said earlier by one of the speakers, um, you know, I have an old buddy that used to say, from your birth certificate to your death certificate, everything goes back to politics. And for the last 20 years, we've had one party that's ruled the roost in Florida and in a variety of different areas, it's showing. It's showing more and more. And what we're talking about here today is a great example with the different industries that um, command a little bit more attention and get a little bit more um, benefit from um, our current uh, legislative body and our governor than others. So um, come November, um, think about it. Go to the ballot box and do the right thing for your community. All if right. I may address yes. that, 
We have a different... Uh, That's Mary Ellis Smith, County Commissioner and Vice Chair of Tampa Bay Water, who's speaking and with us today. And I'm just going to point out that with my election and a couple of other commissioners, we flipped the county commission from red to blue. And in doing that... Um, we ended up with a majority of commissioners that were, for the first time in decades, willing to raise impact fees on developers uh, so that developers would pay for their some of their fair share for infrastructure, including water. And that has been uh, key to be really help fund our local system of, of distributing drinking water, which um, was under a lot of pressure in South County, as you alluded to with the influx of growth in the uh, South County recently over the last uh, several years. And also the, the Board of County Commissioners in Hillsborough sits as the uh, Environmental Protection Agency for the county too, right? We do, and I'm the chair of that Environmental Protection Commission. And so that uh, local agency is able to regulate our wetlands. Um, and, and I'll get back to that because that's really important, especially while we're talking about Swift Mud. Swift Mud regulates the wetlands in a nine-county, seven-county. I want to say 16. Okay, area, several counties, a <laughs> big area uh, where uh, our Environmental Protection Commission um regulates the water and wetland uh, protection just in our county, but we have, we're very much able to do a better job locally on that. But what I was uh, getting back to the new majority on the county commission is for the first time willing to hold developers responsible for their share of infrastructure. So where they had been allowed to, uh, as one of the uh, call-in people called it, and I agree, overdevelop beyond the capacity of infrastructure, including water distribution in South County, we are now, and in fact, I led the board to begin, uh, and I worked with uh, Mr. Cassidy here very closely in developing new zoning conditions that we are putting on every new development south of the Alafaya, where the water pressure issue is, is a problem, saying they cannot... No new development can hook up to our water distribution system in that stressed area until we are able to put the the uh, new infrastructure systems in place, which are coming, um, and that will be able to provide more drinking water without lowering the pressure of everybody there. But let me tell you, there there were previous county commissioners and and boards would never have done that. So, yeah, elections matter. All right, Rufus, help is on the yeah. way. Uh, thank you for calling in. Appreciate your perspective. I have uh, an email here from Steve who says, your female guest, that's Mary Ellis Smith, <laughs> your Hillsborough County Commissioner, uh, your female guest finally said it, vote for people who support making water a priority for people. Republicans have been in control in Tallahassee for 25 years. I do not have to wonder why things are the way they are on the environment, public schools, local control, etc. in Florida. I know who is responsible and whose quote-unquote water they carry. Pardon the pun. That's from Steve. Um, I've got a uh, a call from Claudia in Northport, who's been very patient. Claudia, you're on the air. 
You with me? Yes, I am. Okay. Um, This is going to be a cost transport issue, but I was thinking about the contaminated waters and instead of us putting the phosphorus in the bay and destroying our seagrasses and whatnot. But like, again, it's going to be a cost transport issue, but why can't we use the water for forest fires um, or an evaporation method of of getting rid of the toxins by taking them to the desert, using them for, for forest fires? Well, you know, wouldn't the water go into the the groundwater if we used it for forest fires and contaminate the groundwater? George, I mean, I am no expert, but what it, what what do you think, George? Are we talking about the water that's at Piney Point with the Yeah. So so that that water by itself is um has a lot of challenges to it. It's got an extremely low pH. Um, and Shelly is spot on. If you were to take that water and broadcast it um, inland somewhere for you know, fire control or other, um, you're taking uh, water that's uh, probably not very good to release to the environment and allowing it to percolate into the groundwater system. That could be a so problem. we're diluting it and putting it in the bay. Well, uh, I'm not I don't pre- think anybody I'm really wants it in the bay. No, I, no, that's why I'm saying it would be better if it was in, I mean, with, with climate change, the desert it is it goes to tremendous degrees that how could it it would evaporate into the atmosphere so that's a really good point it would and the same with a and same with a forest fire right. if you would put water on, on you know on a fire i mean majority of the toxins would burn so the challenge becomes how do you get it from where it is today <laughs> that's what i said to where you want it to be but but it would be much better than it going into our bay our poor manatee well, you know, we're, we're such a such, and, and, and again, back to I'm going to talk about Northport as well. Um, Northport is growing by leaps and bounds. So the well drilling, I mean, we're going to end up with a sinkhole situation here because we need to, which again, this is another money issue. We need to expand our lots, you know, so that we're not drilling so close to one another. Well, um, is Northport within the uh, regulatory area of Swift Mud? Would they be the ones to regulate the drilling of wells? The Florida Health Department gets in the mix of sinking a well as well, don't they? They do. Yeah. Thank you for your thoughts, Claudia. Appreciate it. Um, yeah. Well, is uh, so. I guess that's something that um, that needs to be addressed in the Northport area. Is um, an overabundance of of well sinking. I mean, I, is that is that accurate? What Claudia suggested that too many wells, too much drawing water from below ground like that is a cause of sinkholes. I it can so. It, so it can be right. So um, our our limestone um, formation is porous, and in some areas, uh, particularly North Hillsborough County and in Pasco County, certain portions of Pasco County, it's very, very porous. And so when you drop the water level in the groundwater system, um, it allows these these larger um, void areas to collapse on themselves. And that's what causes ultimately a sinkhole above ground. It's that soil that's being allowed to enter into a void. And it's kind of like the sand in an hourglass. That's the effect that you get. Um, again, we want to be able to manage the groundwater withdrawal that is ultimately Swift Mud's responsibility. So Swift Mud has an obligation to make sure that they're not over permitting and over uh, allowing over withdrawal. 
And All you right. know, Claudia raised an interesting uh, a, a point of concern about the pollution going into our bay, too. So I don't know if you want to take some other calls or we can talk about yeah, something. Yeah, I'm here with Mariella Smith, a Hills, Hillsborough County Commissioner and Vice Chair of Tampa Bay Water, and George Cassidy, Assistant County Administrator for Public Utilities. And we're talking about water in our region. If you have some thoughts about our water wars or the the constitution of our water. Uh, if you're having trouble with your water pressure and you are in South County or elsewhere, and then you want to know why, give us a call and let's ask our guests. Our call-in number is 813-239-9663, or you can email us to dj at wmnf.org, or you can text us at 813-433-0885. And before I turn back to our conversation about water, I did want to let you know that support for WMNF comes from listeners just like you and from Ruth Eckerd Hall. Ruth Eckerd Hall is presenting Postmodern Jukebox on their Today's Hits Yesterday tour uh, April 5th. RuthEckerdHall.com has all the ticket information you need. So check that out. Um, okay, Mariella, go back to Claudia's point about the uh, movement of... Well, uh, pollution, she was speaking about, um, you know, the, her concern for pollution in the in Tampa Bay. And unfortunately, uh, it's a well-placed concern. Tampa Bay's water quality has been declining. And we've seen, of course, devastating fish kills in recent years from red tides and algae blooms, even before the Piney Point disaster la- uh, last summer. Uh, Tampa Bay lost 6,350 acres of seagrass in the two years before Piney Point, and that was a 16% loss of seagrass without the Piney Point uh, disaster. So we've been exceeding the limits set by the state for nutrient pollution in the Upper Bay for two years. And you see manatees dying in record numbers from the loss of seagrass. Yeah, record numbers, I I see. The seagrass is important uh, to the manatees. I have Robin in Seminole, who's been very patient uh, hanging on here. Robin, thank you for your call. Yeah, hi. Uh, I just wanted to talk about water usage for um, residential. Yes. Uh, ceiling fan manufacturers have three speeds on their fan. Why don't Why don't water faucet manufacturers have three speeds on their faucets? Because when people turn their kitchen faucet on, it's full on. So, you know, it should go click, click, you know. So, you know, people use their bathroom uh, sink and uh, they, they turn it full on. And so... What's wrong with going three speeds on your faucets? Oh, that's an excellent point, Robin. That's an excellent point. You know, they did that with toilets. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they they have the low flush toilets. And I know in Europe and other places, they have uh, toilets with like two speeds, you know, right? Uh, For for, uh, when you need a big flush (laughs) and when you need a small flush. But those kinds of toilets have not been really that popular in in the United States. I mean, we have them, but I'm not sure that they've really been marketed as well as as they should be. I don't know. Um, That's an interesting point about um, faucets. Well, uh, our bigger point with toilets is that, uh, at least in Hillsborough County, we have 120,000 septic tanks 
in our county, and 26,000 of those are in the urban service areas. So communities in our urban areas like Brandon, Carrollwood, Gibsonton, uh, and Ruskin and Waimama are, are still on septic systems, and those are a huge contributor of pollution to Tampa Bay. Uh, every time it rains, those uh, drain fields are getting rinsed off. Even if you're far inland, that's ending up in the stormwater system and eventually in, in the, the bay. bay. And uh, Mr. George Cassidy and I have been working very closely for uh, a couple of years in, uh, on uh, a program with federal funding from Commission. Uh, 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 Congresswoman Castor, as well as our county funding to convert those septic uh, systems into modern force main sewage systems. So that'll be one oh. factor in helping keep pollution out of the bay. Okay. All right. I'm going to take a call from uh, Carl in Dunedin. Carl, you're on the air with Mary Ellis Smith and uh, Mr. George Cassidy from the uh, Public Utilities Department. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Uh, Piney Point is an environmental disaster. It's not a problem. It's a disaster. Um, yeah, they had a problem recently. Well, remember when the hurricane hit Punta Gorda, they allowed an unbelievable amount of polluted water to be released from Piney Point. And... You know, all I can say is that it, if that's not a super fun site where either the state steps up and cleans it up or they ask the federal government to come in and help clean it up. But I don't see that happening with Rick Scott as our governor or Ron DeSantis as our governor. Well, I think they're trying to make the company... I think they're trying to make the private company pay for cleanup. That's a joke. Well, I think they're in bankruptcy court, aren't they? Aren't they? Does anybody, do our guests know the answer to that? No. We don't have a lot of information on that right now. Yeah, and they've been in bankruptcy court, and, and the state has known that it's an enormous environmental mess for years and years. And and isn't it amazing after our whole area has lost unbelievable amounts of money, enormous fish killed, they still, they're, you know, anyway, I just... All right. Well, uh, well let, uh, let, me, let me turn to our guests, Carl. About it. Let me turn to our guests about that. Carl, thank you for your comments. And I couldn't agree more that it's a huge disaster. It was a heartbreaking disaster to have hundreds of thousands of tons of dead fish uh, rolling up on our shores. And and, um, I mean, it, it was it is a disaster and it's a disaster that is really lays at the feet of our uh, state administration that uh, could have, should have closed that up much, many, many years earlier. And instead, they allowed that private owner to put um, dredge material to go into another use in that um uh, in that uh, pool or uh, reservoir. reservoir there at the top of the phosphate uh, stacks and, and on their property and begin, um, you know, uh, taking money 
to take dredge material there. And the liners were never meant, as I understand it, to hold that dredge material. The liners were meant for holding water. And that's that's when we had the failures of those liners. And let me tell you, it was almost worse than an environmental disaster if those uh, the retaining walls uh, had totally given way and flooded um, out uh, the the homes and businesses in that area on the way to the bay, but also uh, the infrastructure that that was there. Yeah. All right. Uh, again, it goes back to politics, mm-hmm. um, the state government's failure to properly administer and regulate and uh, safeguard our community from a, a disaster like Piney Point. Um, I want to take a call from uh, Buddy, who's in Balm. Oh. Okay, Buddy, you're on the air. Good morning, Commissioner Smith and Mr. Cassidy. Um, just a couple of questions. Um, Piney Point, why can't we um, burn off the contaminants, you know, make a big steel, um, recover the uh, the steam and, you know, have fresh water from that and burn off the contaminants? And the other uh, question or statement, uh, you haven't brought up the um, injection wells that uh, the county and uh, – Tampa Bay Water wants to do out here in Balm. I think the uh, the listeners might want to learn about that. Thank you. All right. Thank you for your call, buddy. Let's turn to the scientist here, George Cassidy, with the Public Utilities uh, Department and ask about uh, Buddy's suggestion about burning off the uh, contaminants at Piney Point. So, you know, and, and good morning, buddy. It's good to hear, good to hear your voice. Um, you know that Piney Point situation is—it's—it's um, it's so frustrating because it has existed for years and years, decades. It's, it's existed, and um, like so many things around us in our natural environment, it seems as though we identify a problem, and one thing leads to another, and we don't do anything about it. And and that's a prime example. Uh, Piney Point—the uh, water itself is—is. Is, uh, a byproduct of the processing operation. It is a toxic soup of of, of contaminants in, in the water. Um, I think it really comes down to how much is it going to cost, and it always comes down to cost. How much is it going to cost to treat it, to handle it? Um, last I had heard, uh, there's a proposal on the table right now to do some kind of very, very deep well injection of the waters. Um, I think DEP is handling this right now. Um, I, you know, I, I think that is, um, I think that's a subject to be discussed and debated. Uh, whether that's the best course of action versus something that is alternative, something that, you know, gives us a better, longer-term solution. And buddy, you know, whether it's evaporation, whether it's burning off the contaminants, whether it's putting it through some other treatment process, I think that needs to be looked at. And that's just my personal opinion. We don't have anything to do with Piney Point, but I think we as a community and those of us that are interested in the environment and care about Florida, we need to, we need to have our voices heard on this, whether it's the DEP or others. Um, your second point, which was the uh, injection, injection wells. wells. Thank you, Shelley. Um, so Hillsborough County, for a number of years now, we've been engaging in a, an aquifer recharge program. And that, uh, that program involves a number of wells. They're about 1,000 feet deep, and they uh, are along the eastern bay line. So it's somewhere around, uh, if you can imagine, uh, east of, uh, west of 41, U.S. 41, all the way to the bay. And it's a series of wells that we're proposing to put in. A couple of them have been in operation for a number of years now. 
and the the, the really the the genesis of this was to take this reclaimed water, which we have invested a fortune in. Uh, we we bought the water from Tampa Bay Water. Our customers have used it. They drank it. They they did whatever they they use in their home. Uh, we turn around and we collect it as a wastewater. Then we, uh, we we treat it. We treat it to practically drinking water standards, only to traditionally then turn around and either send it back to the community for irrigation purposes. Or we discharge it to the bay. If we discharge it to the bay, we have totally lost the investment that we have in that commodity, in that water. And so one of the options was to uh, to leverage value out of the investment that we've made. And uh, aquifer recharge was uh, was a viable alternative. And isn't there some sort of a new law that requires... Uh requires you to uh, reuse wastewater? Yes, Yes, it was passed in 2021 to prevent uh, the discharge of all reclaimed water after 2032. That's correct. And uh, requires a beneficial use of reclaimed water. But uh, George, when you say uh, aquifer recharge, those wells at the, almost the coast, east no, wait, west of 41 around Apollo Beach area. Those are um, actually preventing saltwater intrusion and uh, helping to apply uh, water pressure to uh, water up way miles and miles upstream of that. Can you explain that a little better? Yeah, correct. And that's spot on. So uh, number one, uh, the water that's going into these recharge areas, it's going into a non-drinking water lens of the aquifer. Actually, the water that it's going into is approaching uh, the same salinity as the bay. And so, you know, the visual that I would like everybody to kind of have uh, for themselves is... um, you know, if you look at the eastern portions of the county, and let's just choose eastern Brandon, maybe Valrico or Lithia, um, that's at a significantly higher elevation than what you have at the bay, which is, you know, sea level. And so uh, groundwater follows the, ele- uh, the elevation. Um, it's going to go downhill. And so um, what this does for us is it provides um, uh, a, a separation of the drinking water from the salt water that's coming into the um, in, into the drinking water aquifer, it provides a little bit of a bubble that prevents that that encroachment of seawater from the bay inland. I think the key point is nobody is ever drinking this water. This water Correct. is preventing saltwater intrusion, Correct. which is a beneficial use under mm-hmm. the new law. Okay, I'm going to take a very quick call from Steve in Dunedin, who's been very patient. Steve, can you make it very quick? I'll, I'll try. Uh, I've spent most of my career, I'm 75 now, but I've spent most of my career as a city manager and as a, as a consequence of, of that role and a public works director as well as an assistant city manager. And one of the projects I initiated in Plant City when I was assistant manager was to take reclaimed water and sell it. I built a $15 million pipeline to take it to what was then CF Industries, now Mosaic, to offset their consumption of pristine potable water from the aquifer, took 4 million gallons a day out of the wastewater treatment in Plant City and piped it to CF Industries to uh, prevent them. I appreciate the history, Steve, but if you have a question or comment, I'm going to have to ask you to get to it. Okay. What I believe would be a solution would be to take the reclaimed water, rather than putting it back on lawns and rather than putting it into a bay, 
was take it back to the natural recharge systems, the swamps and the recharge areas, the sandier soils, and let it be filtered through you know hundreds of feet of, of earth so that all the contaminants that are potentially in still in the reclaimed water and provide recharge, natural recharge, take it back to the swampy areas and the green swamps and places like that. All right, I'm going to turn to our guests and ask them to respond to your suggestion because we have very little time left in the show. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate your call. What do you think about Steve's suggestion? And and thank you, Steve, for calling in that, with that history. That, um, But that is uh, some of what is being negotiated in the t- city of Tampa's uh, study for their PURE project, is what he's talking about, filtering it through a natural, uh, a natural system. Yeah. Well, okay then. So uh, we didn't get to that, but we do have an email from Patrice who wants to know, what about gray water being redirected into toilets? Oh, I am glad that she brought that up because that's another thing that we are doing with developers. And we just recently had a new hotel developer who um, got you get a density bonus in our county if you do what she's suggesting and, and set up uh, gray water so that you're using less water, you're discharging less water, and it's saving more for all of us. Great. Okay. Well, that's interesting. And then we have a question from Doug who says he's in clear water on a septic tank and what do I have to pay to get on a sewer system? I don't know that you can answer what he has to pay. He's got to talk to Largo. (laughs) He's got to talk to his his own system in his own county. Um, All right. I want to thank my guests uh, today. Mariella Smith, Hillsborough County Commissioner. Uh, who's actually running for re-election to a second term on the board. Um, She is also the vice chair of Tampa Bay Water. And George Cassidy, who is a Hillsborough County uh, Assistant County Administrator for Public Utilities. I want to thank both of you for being with us today and giving us some insight into the management of our precious water resources. So thanks for being here. Thank Thank you you so much for having us. Enjoyed it. And I also want to thank our WMNF volunteers, Jessica Green, who ran our soundboard, and Barbara Fling, who monitored our uh, pretty active phones today. Thank you, Jessica and Barbara. And thanks to all of you, our WMNF listeners, who generously support the station and let us bring you the news and public affairs from a local perspective every Wednesday at 10 a.m. on Midpoint. We appreciate you. Now, please stay tuned for Duncan Strauss and Talking Animals up next. Next, we are WMNF Tampa. Smile is in the making.